Welcome to the Shining Light Podcast. This is Pastor Sam. And Patrick, no compromise with Evil Wyatt. And today we're going to continue our discussion on dispensationalism. Patrick, can you tell us just a little bit about dispensationalism? Well, dispensationalism is a series we're going over. There are seven dispensations of God's ruling or self-rule over self-rule, <laughs> keeping his order in man. So the economy, economia. Yeah, I've been paying attention to some of these things we've been doing. So um, so God at different times gives these dispensations or, or rules, I guess, of himself to man. Tests he's offered to us. And there's different, uh, it's, it's, it's in the Bible as far as, um, what am I looking for those words? Uh, an administration over us? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So different administrations um, to which at the end of each administration is a test that we ultimately have failed. So then God provides us another opportunity in his love and grace for humanity. In fact, grace is our last dispensation, one we live under right now. So we're going over those dispensations um, one at a time, chronologically, and uh, just looking at what that means. And it's a great history uh, for us to know and understand. It gives us a better understanding of the mind of God. Right. And in there, like you mentioned, there are seven of these dispensations, and there's an acronym to remember these seven dispensations. And it's really bad, but I'm struggling to remember the acronym. Uh, but this acronym was, was my wife and her group of friends came up with this while they're in Bible college, and it's I Can Get Purple Lama Grace Kingdom. Right? Yeah. I actually have to think of the dispensations to remember the acronym. Most people probably work the other way. I just keep thinking of purple llamas. That's the, it stands out in my mind. What Because ex- I've never seen a purple llama. Right. That would actually be neat. Right. I can get purple llama grace kingdom. Something like okay. that. But, uh, but anyway, I, I can get, as in I... Innocence. Innocence. That's what we looked at uh, in our last podcast. Uh, can, that right there, that C, that stands for conscience. And we're going to look at that today. Uh, get is government. I can get. Purple is promise. I, yeah, uh-huh. I, I have no idea where this acronym came from, but it's it's great. I can get purple llamas, llamas. law, you know. Mm-hmm. Llamas, they, I've never seen a llama get charged with a felony, so they're really good at following laws. Apparently, that's the rationale behind llamas. Then you have a llama prison. Right, and then my wife and her friends got a little bit lazy, and they just added in the last two to the acronym, so it's not really an acronym. It's Grace Kingdom. Uh, Grace for grace and kingdom. There you go. It, it, How do you like them apples? It works <laughs> in an entertaining sort of way. Oh, boy. These are what college students are sitting around doing is figuring out stuff like this. Right. I mean, in if you want to go and spend thousands of dollars and, and come out with a great acronym like that, Bible College is for you. Uh, so I can get Purple Llamas Grace Kingdom... Uh, the seven dispensations. Now, dispensation, as you're mentioning, Patrick, it means administration. It means administration. By the way, my wife's watching here. She just uh, buried her, her head in her hands, so that was great. Um, She's but, showing the shame that we should be exhibiting, but are not, so we right, have that sense. Right. It, it's great when, you know, we, we're, we're used to saying dumb things all the time, so this was no surprise to yep. us. Yep. 
Yeah. We developed thin, so, thick skin for that sort of thing. Thin skin. <laughs> thin, thick skin. Oh, boy. Well, I'm going to pass it over to you, Patrick, because I, I think I'm digging myself a, a ride to sleeping on the couch tonight. So I'm going to go ahead and turn the mic over to you for a little bit. Okay. So the dispensation we're going to be talking about today, the first one we just talked about last podcast was on innocence. Today is conscience. The ruling factor in a dispensation is human conscience. Do <laughs> It's funny today that, that you know we're given conscience and that was dispensation, but a lot of people have a hard time having a conscience. Or a proper conscience, you know, we, the unconscionable crime. There's a lot of things happen in society today that we should have a conscience about, but we don't. And that's a sad reflection on, on both society and on a lot of people, ourselves even, that we become desensitized to some things that we should have a conscience about. And a conscience, for a Christian, manifests itself as the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit prods us and lets us know when we're doing something, which we should know, we're doing something we shouldn't be doing that issues a conscience. And we feel bad about it when conscience is properly executed. And hopefully that conscience causes repentance and we can have our uh, relationship with God restored and whomever maybe we've done wrong with, um, try to write that as best we can. So there's your conscience. That's right. The, the second dispensation is about conscience. And once again, that, that idea of a dispensation, it's a ruling factor. And, and it answers the, the question there, how is God administering his rule? And of course, there is a, a test. Will man obey by whatever that, uh, that ruling factor is? In this case, it is conscience. Uh, but, but we need to understand a couple of things about conscience. One is, is that this isn't just in the, the people of God, but this is throughout all all humans, okay? This isn't just uh, like for Israel or something like that. Uh, this is for all humans. In Romans 2, verses 14 and 15, it says this, For when the Gentiles, who do not have the law by nature, do these things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves, their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. And so there we see that idea of their conscience really go and speak to the moral law. And have you noticed this, Patrick, that at least until someone's conscience gets hardened or seared, they have a general conception of what is right or wrong. That They know, even if they choose to do wrong, they know that these things are wrong in and of themselves. Yeah, you even see that uh, there are some people that would, you know, murder's not that big a deal to them, but they know that societally speaking, that it is to, to people. And of course, the, the law says we can't murder people, at least outside of abortion, which is lawful murder in this country, but not, or legal, I should say, but not lawful before God. But yeah, people are, it's almost, it's a programming that God gives to us that we instinctively know right from wrong. And as you said, you can sear your conscience and you can convince yourself. Otherwise, you can surround yourself with associations that want to keep pushing that idea that this or whatever is okay, even though instinctively you know it's not. Stealing is not mm -hmm. okay. Hurting people is not okay. And that's a conscience that you don't have to be a Christian to know these things. You instinctively know because God puts that in our, our DNA, so to speak. That's, that's absolutely right. And we, we look at this idea here and uh, conscience, it's, it, we instinctively know what's right and wrong. And, and we actually are going to go back to the first dispensation there, the dispensation of innocence, uh, to get a little bit of understanding, a little bit deeper understanding of conscience. It says in Genesis 3, 5, For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. 
And uh, we see that idea, of course, this is the serpent, this is Satan talking, this is part of the temptation. But in every great lie, there's a mixture of what? There's some truth always to it. Right. And, and, and it's presented in such a way that it's attractive. You're going to get something. Now, you never get what's, <laughs> what you're ultimately promised. Or you may get some of what you're promised, but the consequences are never discussed. Those you have to find out on your own. That's always the way of Satan. Right. And in here, Satan actually does give some truth, quite a bit of truth here in that statement uh, that we just looked at. And God confirms that truth in verse 22 of Genesis 3, where he says, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. And then it says that God put man outside of the garden. Uh, but we see there in the first dispensation, do you remember, Patrick, uh, we had a, what kind of an, a disposition towards God? We had a favorable, unconfirmed disposition towards God. So we were favorable towards God, but that disposition was unconfirmed in the fact that we had yet to be given the choice that God then offered us by saying, you cannot eat of the tree of good and evil. So the confirmation would have been that Adam and Eve would not have eaten of the tree of, of knowledge of good and evil and would have stayed away from that and would have remained in the garden in perfection, live forever. The interesting thing about you, now we got to put them out of the garden so they can't eat of the tree of life. That was something they could eat of up till that point. Mm -hmm. So that was sustaining them and would have sustained them indefinitely. But the separation that, that Adam and Eve chose between themselves and God, then God also separated them from the garden and from access to the tree of life, which then death would become inevitable. That's absolutely right, and, and we, we look at that, that unconfirmed disposition. Now man has a confirmed disposition in conscience, and it's a, it's a disposition of enmity between God, but man knows the difference between good and evil. Now, an interesting uh, side note about this is that God, his goal was never that man wouldn't know or that man would stay naive towards good and evil, but instead of teaching man good and evil through the tree, through sin, he was going to teach man good and evil through righteousness, which is, is kind of an interesting thought in my mind. Mm -hmm. um, but here we have this conscience, this, this pricking, this knowing what is right and what is wrong. And uh, what do you think, Patrick? Because we still have, this is a ruling factor that has continued on to today. We still have consciences. Uh, does, will man succeed or fail from this ruling factor? Do we see man being perfect and perfectly walking with God because they know what's right and know what's wrong in, in their heart? Well, no. <laughs> the, the answer is even uh, even mature seasoned Christians ultimately fail at this, knowing what's, you know, and you'll say, well, I, I know it's wrong, but the temptation right now is too great. So we have moments of weakness. We have moments of strength. We know we're reading the Bible and praying. We tend to be stronger in that area. It's when we allow other things to get into our life and distract us and we start losing that time of prayer and of reading our Bible that we make ourselves more susceptible to the temptations that ultimately are going to come to our way. So, yeah, we still have conscience. We still realize it's like, you'll hear it often said, well, I made a mistake. Say, well, mistakes when you don't know which is the right answer and you choose the wrong answer in that ignorance. Much of what we do today or much of the sin to be sin, it's not a mistake. It's a bad choice. We did know the difference between right and wrong. We chose the sin. We chose the wrong. But in our society where we want to push off responsibility, personal responsibility, well, I made a mistake. You had a lot. Well, I'm going to learn from my mistakes. 
It wasn't a mistake. You knew the difference between right and wrong. That's why you try to cover it up sometimes, right? You know the mm -hmm. difference. Um, it's not a mistake. It's conscience. You knew better. You chose sin. That's absolutely right. In fact, I, I really like what you said there is, is a lot of times we like to go and say, well, we made a mistake. And what we really mean is, hey, we chose to sin, but we're really being unrepentant about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's alleviate responsibility. Right. Right? If I made a mistake, I mean, who hasn't made it? I made, I made mistakes on tests before and scored poorly. Right. Of course, the underlying principle, maybe I should have studied. <laughs> right, <know? laughs> right. Still my responsibility. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, one thing about a conscience is that we can either... Um, soften our conscience or make our conscience more sensitive, like you said, by reading the Word of God and praying so that we can be closer to the heart of God and knowing what God wants. And we can also go and petrify our conscience, so to say, or cal uh, uh, callous our conscience by going and sinning. Each time we sin, it, it calluses our conscience just a little bit more, just a little bit more, just a little bit more, and it makes that sin easier. And you know, a, a lot of people who have calloused conscience, and, and there are a lot of people who do have calloused conscience, uh, specifically ones in the church, they become enemies within the church. And uh, Patrick, that reminds me, there's a documentary coming up about enemies within the church. Could you tell us about that? It is my understanding that there is a documentary being made. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's a group of, of some of our friends, and Jed's been on with us before, and uh, Carrie, Pastor Kerry Gordon out of Sioux City, uh, Trevor Loudon, um, Curtis Bowers, all these guys have combined their talents to bring out a documentary that's right now being filmed and put together about the enemies within the church. This is going to showcase and document people within the church that claim to be Christians that are not, that are pushing heresy and apostate type ideas. And uh, it's quite prevalent in these days. We were warned about these days, these latter days, the day, being days of apostasy, the great falling away. And of course, that cannot occur from outside societal pressures. It, it best occurs when teachings of that sort of thing is coming within the church from trusted faces and people. The money that's supporting this, though, is not from within the church. It's coming from without to buy people that would tell lies to you and cloak those lies in the name of Christianity and, and Christian rhetoric. That's absolutely right. And if you want to find out more about enemies within the church, you can go to enemieswithinthechurch.com. Once again, that's enemieswithinthechurch.com. Go ahead and click on the donate button there. Uh, they need your help to produce this documentary. And this is uh, something that's going to be pretty groundbreaking, I would say, and something that you should be interested in and following. Uh, but today we're looking at, at the Shining Light Podcast, we're looking at dispensationalism, specifically the second dispensation, and that is the dispensation of conscience. And so far, we've really gone over how, how God has given us this conscience, this, this somewhat of a moral compass, uh, and it goes, and unfortunately, uh, man's going to fail, just as we fail in every dispensation. Uh, but but we have that. But but what is the revelation? Because with each new dispensation that we get, it covers a new revelation. God doesn't just go and and say, okay, here's a new ruling factor. Here's here's a new administration without giving us revelation. What is the revelation that is covered in uh, the dispensation of conscience? Well, we have man's responsibility. So uh, there's a couple. We're supposed to obey God. So we obey God based on conscience, on our conscience, on th these things he's laid upon our heart, the, the right and wrong, so to speak, 
um, that people even today will try to deny that there's a difference. Or some people say because there is no God, trying to deny that, that therefore there is no right and wrong, there is no good and evil. Of course, uh, we don't believe that as Christians. And that's certainly, even the people that claim this, it's not what has been ingrained in them. They know at a certain level. Even though, mm-hmm. like you said, they've calloused themselves enough that they can, uh, with a straight face, deny it, they still know at a certain level there's something different than what they're claiming. That's absolutely right. And they, of course, they were to obey God based on the law that was written on their hearts. That, and that, of course, is the moral law. And, and what are some of the, the moral laws, some of those things that um, really everybody naturally knows is right or is wrong, uh, Patrick? What, what are some of those things? Well, thou shalt not kill, obviously, uh, from the Ten Commandments, or thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, lying. Um, so there, there's three right there. Honor your father and mother. That should seem pretty natural. Um, kids do it, and they may not like it when they're young, but um, we're to honor our fathers and mothers, our parents, even as we get older. Um, sometimes parents don't do the things they should do, but... Um, Still, these are laws on our heart. But these are basic things. If something belongs to you, I'm not supposed to take it. And you realize when you take it, even if it's to the reaction of the person, it, it emphasizes the fact that you've done wrong. So um, regardless if it's codified into law in a culture, these are things that, that you should know. You don't you know, start beating on somebody without cause and cause, you know, they're screaming out or like you know, in pain. You're not inflicting that on them. Th- these are things that are basic stuff. Absolutely right. And, and these are things that are important that we understand because I, I like the example of lying because I think this is one that, that we can understand. We've, we've all seen this before. Everybody has lied and different things like that. And anybody says they haven't lied, they're, they're lying. Liar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but that is, uh, if you tell one lie, it becomes a little bit easier to tell the next lie. And then a little bit easier to tell the next lie. And then a little bit easier to tell the next lie. And pretty soon you've tangled this this web of lies. And you might even start to believe your lie because you tell it so many times. Mm-hmm. And, and that is the the conscience being hardened. And, and this is a strategy we face today, too. There's, there's a constant process of desensitization. Desensitization. Yeah, there we go. I can slow it down a little bit. Um, to get us to think that things that are evil aren't evil, they're okay, or even good. Over time, if we're desensitized, then that which God has put on our hearts that is wrong will come to accept as, well, it's okay. And they even, they'll even say, well, God's okay with that because he loves us so much. So they're trying to take God's moral laws, throw it out, put man's moral laws in there, and try to say that God agrees to it. But our conscience tells us different. And as we're talking about this dispensation of conscience, uh, you can go in, and if you're you're trying to figure out where this this time frame is in the Bible, now a dispensation is not a length of time, uh, but rather it is the administration. But we are within the bounds of time, so it covers a time period, and, and that is uh, from Genesis chapter four, verse one through Genesis chapter 8, verse 19, somewhere in that idea. Uh, And it really goes up until the flood, up until the flood. Uh, But we see here that man's responsibility was to to obey God based on his conscience and, of course, obey God uh, based on the law that was written on their heart or that moral law. But man failed. And, of course, that's seen through the story of Cain and Abel. And, Patrick, do you want to give us the story of Cain and Abel, what, what happened there? 
Cain and Abel were the sons of Adam and Eve, so after Adam and Eve had been driven from the garden and had to live the life that they chose, which was now one of toil, that uh, Cain and Abel, uh, let's see, Cain was a, uh, he, he was with the sheep, a sheep herder. So a Abel was, Abel, sorry. Abel was, yeah, Abel, so I got those two mixed up. So Abel was that. Cain was a, a guy who tilled the ground, brought forth the fruits of the field, and they were to bring their uh, offerings before, to God. You know, he is God. So they were to bring their best to him. Well, Abel brought uh, the best of his sheep to God in offering and sacrifice, and God accepted it. Cain brought not the best. He, he didn't, he maybe held that back for himself, and he brought something to God, and that was not accepted. It made him angry. Made him angry not just at God, but made him angry at his brother because his brother had found acceptance in the eyes of God for his sacrifice. But it made him angry enough to, to such an extent that he rose up and killed his brother Abel. Right. And the it, first murder. Absolutely. The first murder. And it's it, it's really important that you uh, you pointed this out here. Cain became angry. In fact, it tells us that his countenance fell. And then God comes and he talks to him. And he says, hey, why is your countenance fallen? If you would have done good, uh, you'll be praised, basically. But if you'll do bad, you won't be praised. Yeah, you knew the rules. I mean, you, right. that was established what my requirements were. And you chose not to abide by them. Right. God, God just goes and, and confronts Cain in that way. And yet Cain doesn't doesn't uh, like that. And God tells him actually, hey, sin is at your door, which I, I just love that phrase. Sin is at your door. It's such a vivid picture. Uh, you know, Cain, his, his countenance fell. He knew that he did wrong and he was upset about doing wrong. And you can just see the, the inner battle that's going on in Cain. And yet he failed. He failed according to that inner battle. He went and he killed Abel, and it tells us that his, uh, through this testimony, Abel still speaks even uh, in Hebrews chapter 11. Um, but after this, of course, Cain was then cursed. Uh, Cain went and built, ended up building a godless civilization that produced polygamy. Remember, back in uh, the first dispensation, uh, marriage was to be between one man and one woman, and they should uh, live in that marital, uh, that marital uh, covenant there. And yet Cain goes and produces a civilization that has polygamy. Uh, and also there's violence. There was other murders uh, that proceeded after that. One guy goes and says, hey, if Cain is going to be uh, repaid, I believe it was seven times, he says, hey, then I should be repaid 70 times for what I have done. I mean, uh, sin just grew and it grew and it grew. And what was the state of man before the flood? What did God say about man in his in his uh, disposition towards him? He said that, that man's thoughts were continually evil, that it was always evil, and that's, that's their thought and their desires. So all of humanity that had become corrupted to a point where God's judgment was required to put an end to their extreme wickedness. It's interesting that Cain, after he killed his brother Abel, um, Adam and Eve had been cursed in the garden for their disobedience. Cain was further cursed for his disobedience and had to, to wander the earth with that curse on him. And, and out of him came Nimrod and the Tower of Babel and, and all that, that that came place afterwards. That was his descendant. And mm -hmm. that was the wickedness that was passed down. And Nimrod was a, a, not just a mighty man, but an extremely wicked man. And uh, so the Tower of Babel was put in place to, to defy God. And God had to um, disperse people by confusing the languages. So we had different languages and then different nations established, but that wasn't good enough. Like you said, she so had polygamy and violence and bloodshed 
to the extent that all of humanity was corrupted and God would then send a flood. And the only people he would save by that flood was known as family, the only righteous people left on earth. If you can imagine that, that it was down to one righteous family. So widespread was the wickedness and their thoughts were continually evil. There was no saving those people. There was, they'd passed the point of the ability to, of redemption. Their hearts were so hardened and cold. God, who knows everything, knows the future, knew that they would not be repentant. And therefore, there was no point in their existence continuing. He had to destroy the earth. That's absolutely right. That is the, the, the judgment that comes from, uh, from this, this dispensation. In fact, there's a judgment with each dispensation. And here today on the, the Shining Light podcast, we've been uh, looking at dispensationalism. And we've got some other podcasts out about dispensationalism. Uh, the first one we have is just an overview. The next one we have is going over the dispensation of innocence. And you can find that at theshininglightministries.com. Once again, that's theshininglightministries.com. You can find all kinds of resources there. You can find some products to buy our favorite uh, the the Apostate Tears 16-ounce stainless steel water bottle. You need to get one of those. Uh, but you, you can also go and find things like a primer on Islam and is America a Christian nation or was it founded as a Christian nation? Some yeah. DVDs there. But today we've been going over dispensationalism. Once again, you can find those at theshininglightministries.com. And we've been going over dispensationalism, the dispensation of innocence. And Patrick, you left off on the judgment that God brought from this dispensation, and that was a worldwide flood. Mm-hmm. And the scope of that was that everything was destroyed, all life, not just human life, but animal life, plant life. Everything would be destroyed, and then God would, would replenish the earth, through the, he made provision for Noah. Noah build this ark, take these animals aboard, and, and you know, male and female, so they could reproduce. And they, they brought other animals aboard too, because there would be some animals need to be fed. You know, part of the curse of the original dispensation was that um, where everything had been herbivores before or plant eaters, now there were animals that would prey on one another. There would be carnivores, meat eaters. So all this is part of the curse. It was never intended, or God didn't want it to be this way. But by our choices, we made it this way. So then the earth, after the flood, and, and all life had been exterminated, all land-dwelling life. And, you know, if a bird doesn't have a place to land, he eventually going to hit the water, nothing to eat either. So uh, only life that was saved was that aboard the ark, which is an interesting thing. God gave Noah the time, said, go build the ark. And even during that building of the ark, Noah was calling and preaching. He said Noah was a preacher. He was preaching repentance to the people who they laughed at him and mocked him. It wasn't funny, though, when the, when God closed the doors of the ark and the rain started falling. To that point, man had never seen rain on the earth. It was a dew that kept everything hydrated and everything growing. Now, for the first time, men were seeing water, not torrents of water, not only come out of the sky, but the Bible tells us also the great fountains of the deep were opened up. So water from within the earth was spewing upward even as it was raining to flood the earth. Right, and I think you bring up an excellent point there, Patrick, and that is that in each dispensation, because each dispensation, man is tested, man fails, and then God's judgment comes. But in each dispensation, God, minus innocence, I guess there really wasn't quite quite a preservation and innocence of a preacher of righteousness, but God brings preachers of righteousness. He has people going and proclaiming the way of salvation. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He was a preacher of righteousness. And yet, even though he preached for over 100 years, only his family listened. 
I mean, what, what a sad state that must have been in. But in each dispensation, no matter how few there are, no matter how few make it through by God's grace, there's always a remnant of those who are to go and to preach and to proclaim the right way, the way that God gives and provides a way of salvation, even from our failures, because God is a gracious and merciful God, but he is also a just God, and that's why there is judgment. Yeah, and, and that's what gives us the hope as a Christian. Even though we don't deserve God's grace and love, he still offers it to us. Despite our failures, God is willing the sight of death to take us back. Right, and that is that is the blessed hope of Christianity. That is the love of God, that even though we are sinners, Christ has provided a way of salvation for us. We don't come to God on our terms. We come to God on his terms. For the Shining Light Podcast, this is Pastor Sam. And Patrick, no compromise with Eva Wyatt. And remember Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. You hear him talking about it.